Hey, my name is Phil, and this is my wife, Meredith, and we are the pastors here at Cornerstone Church. We're so glad that you have connected with us here today and that you're getting ready to listen to a message that we know is going to build a resilient faith in your life. Right now, in this moment and in our days ahead, let's continue declaring Jesus over every situation. Enjoy the message. Today, the title of my message is Day by Day. Say day by day to somebody close to you. It might not make sense right now, but if you come along with me, I think it's going to make sense here in a, in a minute. God, we just invite you into this space. I invite you, God, into this space. I ask you to speak your words through me. God, whatever's on these notes and in these pages, let it be secondary to what you're speaking in this moment, in this right here, and this right now. I ask you for hearts to be encouraged. I thank you for lives to be changed. And God, I believe that you are going to dislodge some people today who have felt stuck in a place. I thank you that you walk with us, and we ask you to be here right now in your mighty name. Amen. Why don't you turn to Genesis 3 and verse 9. It's a short verse in Scripture that I want us to start off with here today as we walk into, I believe, what God is speaking to us. Genesis 3 and 9 says, But the Lord God called to the man, and he said to him, Where are you? Why don't you just ask somebody or put in the chat, Where are you? Where are you today? Now, if you're not familiar with this portion of scripture. It's only three chapters into the Bible. It's right after we hear the creation story about how God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve. And then we walk into what we commonly refer to as the story of the fall. When Adam and Eve step outside of the place that God had for them. In the midst of the garden, God had given them all kinds of good fruit that they were able to go after, but he put one tree in the middle of the garden, and he said, leave that one alone. I need you to leave that one alone as a reminder that I'm holy, that there are some things that are separated just for me and only for God. And of course, Eve gets deceived by the serpent who is crafty and tells her a lie and twists the words and draws her into this story that God is withholding something from her. And so she eats of the tree in the garden. And when her husband comes and finds her, she brings him along in the sin. And she says, why don't you eat of it as well? And when they've eaten of that sin and when they've found themselves outside of the will of God, all of the sudden they find themselves in a position they have never encountered before. They are incredibly aware of their nakedness, incredibly aware of their own vulnerability, incredibly aware of just how vulnerable they are in the moment, how uncovered they find themselves since they have stepped outside of the place that God had told them to be in, and shame comes rushing into their lives, into the world for the very first time. And they feel the weight and the heaviness of shame. And they don't know what to do with the feeling because it's not a feeling that they have ever had before. And so God comes walking into the garden to find them. And Adam and Eve run and hide. I mean, can you imagine for a moment, Adam and Eve are trying to play hide and seek with the creator of the heavens and the earth. The God who created their minds and their beings, they are playing hide and seek with him in the midst of the garden. 
We have this game in our house that we play with our boys. They like to, when we come home from the office, often we'll hear the scatter of little feet running through the house as they go to find hiding places. And then Phil and I, like good parents, walk through the house pretending that we don't know where they are, going, where's Theo? Where's Lincoln? Where are you? I can't find you. And after a little bit of this game, then we finally find them and everyone laughs and giggles because from our perspective to their perspective, there are not very many places in our house that they can hide that we can't find them. We're the ones who put all of the things in the home and arranged all of the furniture in its places. We know where all of the nooks and the crannies and the best hiding places in our home is Adam and Eve are trying to play hide and seek with the God who created the heavens and the earth, with the God who told the sea you can only go this far and told the stars this is where I want you to stand and told the sun this is how I want you to shine and the moon this is how I want you to orbit and he told their bodies this is where the eyes go and this is where the arms go and this is where the toes go and this is how your mind works and this is how your mind thinks and Adam and Eve go running in the garden to play hide-and-seek with that very all-knowing, all-creating God. They are hiding from him, covered in their shame, aware of their own self in a new way, feeling ashamed for the bodies that God gave them to walk in and to live in. And maybe you have found yourself at some point in your life in a place where you are ashamed of the vessel that God gave you. And I want you to know that just like Adam and Eve, the shame that you are experiencing is a result of the lie of the enemy. It is not what God ever intended for you. You are in the time that you were created to be, in the age that you were created to be, in the skin that you were created to be, in the gender you were created to be, in the hair you were intended to be, in the height you were intended to be. He made you just like he made you on purpose because he has a designed specific purpose for your life and a place that he called for you to be in and when Adam and Eve let shame come into their life and feel embarrassment for the body that God created them to be in they moved out of the place that God had for them which was to be ruling and governing over the garden and sent themselves into hiding and God comes walking through the garden Where are you? Because you're not in the place that I left you. You're not in the place that I designed for you. You're not in the place that I purposed you for. You're not in your place of fruitfulness, Adam and Eve. Where are you? And Adam and Eve are hiding out and God is seeking out and searching and saying, where are you? Not because God can't find them, I have to think that God is not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer to it. He is the all-knowing God, which leads me to believe it's not what God needs to know. It's what he wants to know. Do Adam and Eve know? He is trying to elicit a response from them. Do you know where you are right now? Are you able to answer the question, where are you? Adam, where are you? You're not where I called you to be. And so I'm asking you, do you know where you are right now? 
And as we find ourselves in a time of turmoil, as we find ourselves with the winds moving and the waves arising, as we find ourselves stepping out of one year, stepping into a new, new year, hearing what God is saying, I want to ask you today, where are you? Are you able to identify the place that you find yourself in? Are you able to articulate where it is that you are currently located? I'm not talking about your address. I know we've got people joining from California and Ohio and Mexico and all over the country and all over the world. And sure, being able to locate where you are geographically is important. It's a great place to start. If you're not sure, your phone can help you out with where you currently are located. But I mean in your soul. Do you know where you are right now? Can you articulate where the turmoil of your soul is in this moment? Adam, where are you? Why have you covered yourself with something that I didn't give you to cover yourself with? Adam needs to articulate to God where he is right now. And perhaps, just like Adam, we should take less time covering up the thing that we feel shame for, covering up the thing that we're embarrassed for, spend less time on our masks, spend less time on our pretenses, spend less time on our facades, spend less time on our deception, and spend some more time I'm saying, this is where I am. Let me pause for a moment and say, what is this feeling that I'm having for the very first time? What is this that I'm feeling for the very first time in the midst of time and space? I don't think that I've been here before, but I think that I need to pause for a moment and articulate it. I wonder if instead of taking his sweet hours to sew together some leaves to, to form a poor covering for the thing he felt ashamed for, what Adam's response could have been like if he would have taken a moment and say, what are the last two or three things that just happened that got me here. You know what? It was my interaction with that serpent that allowed me to believe that the body I'm in is shameful and now I am feeling shame. If he would have taken time to walk that line and break an agreement with it, then perhaps Adam never would have found himself outside of the place that God placed him, outside of the purpose that God gave him, and in hiding in the midst of the garden with God walking through a garden saying, where are you? So where are you today? What got you here to this moment? How is your soul? Is it hopeless? Is it in deep mourning? Is it in despair, in confusion, in chaos? Where do you find yourself? And God offers Adam a branch in this moment. He wants Adam to articulate where he is. He wants Adam to be able to confess the state that he finds himself in because confession is the entryway to healing. From the very first moment that God entered the garden after Adam and Eve have come into sin. He is offering them a pathway to healing. 
God said, I need you to confess where it is you find yourself so that we can name that thing, so that we can begin to heal that place in you, so that I can remind you that it's not shame for what you are finding yourself in, but that you are designed in my likeness, Adam. Let's replace the lie that you have in your mind from the serpent with the truth that I told you from the beginning, but you can't speak the truth into the place that you need it until you can articulate, where is it that I find myself right now? Confession begins that pathway as we articulate the place that we find ourselves and we confess that to God and we communicate that to God and to our close relationships. God says, this is the pathway to healing. He walks into the garden asking a question, where are you, trying to bring Adam and Eve immediately into a place of healing. He is not the angry judge in the sky waiting to stomp through the garden and deal out punishment. He is the gracious, loving father eagerly coming to them in their fall saying, I have healing for you. And he's asking them to come alongside. He's asking them to come on the path of healing because they've stepped outside of the place that God had for them. And in too many of our relationships, our relationship with God and our relationship one with another, we're too busy covering ourselves with leaves instead of confessing where we really are. How much better could your friendships be how much better would your marriage be if instead of continually trying to put on a front, you simply said, I feel broken today. A lady at the store said this thing to me and it triggered that thing that those kids in high school used to say to me. And I know I'm 45 years old, but it makes me feel weak today. It makes me feel like I can't be a good dad today. It makes me feel like I'm not showing up for my family today. And instead of walking home and flexing around your house, if you could walk in and confess to God and confess to your partner, today I feel broken and let the healing begin coming in. Because every time the enemy tries to step in, he brings destruction with him. He is trying to get you out of your place, out of your place as the man of God that he called you to be in your household, out of your place as the leader of that business that he has designed for you to be. He is trying to get you out of the place of volunteering, out of your place in the family of God, out of your place as an active student, out of the place that, he has that God has designed for you to be because when he can get you out of that place, destruction follows. If you think about a car accident, Cars are going down the road, and as long as everyone is in their place, as long as everyone is in their proper lane, as long as everyone is in the place that they are meant to be, in the lane they're meant to be in, going the direction they're meant to be going, there are no accidents on the road. We move along, and we run after the vision. But as soon as someone gets out of place... As soon as someone changes lanes or turns directions when they're not meant to, destruction comes. 
when there is a gap where God has called us to be, when the people of God are not standing in the place that he has called us to stand in, destruction will always follow. We need a people of God who are ready to say, I am coming out of hiding. And God, I want to talk to you about where I am. I'm not perfect in this moment. I'm not whole in this moment. But I've heard your voice and I want to run after your vision. God, work with me. Heal me. Walk with me. Don't lead me in your paths of destruction. Not your paths, the enemy's paths of destruction. Draw me out of those places. King David in scripture got in probably the worst mess of his life when he was out of place. He was not in the place that he was meant to be in. We're not going to read the whole thing right now, but you'll find it in 2 Samuel. My notes got out of order. Sorry, guys. There we go. Well, maybe not. That's all right. It's in 2 Samuel 11. There it is. It's in 2 Samuel 11 is when David gets out of place. It begins telling the story, and it says it was the time of year when kings went out to battle, but David was at home on his couch, literally. Like, I'm not trying to make a joke. It literally says he was laying on his couch, and he got up from his couch, and what follows is the story, if you're familiar with Scripture, of David and Bathsheba. David gets in an affair, and it leads to lying, and it ultimately leads to murder so that he can create some false leaves trying to cover up the shame that has entered his life because he was out of place. If you watch the patterns of the enemy, he's not very creative. He only has a few tricks. He did the same thing to Adam and Eve that he did to David later on as he let him believe a lie, and then he got him out of the place that he was meant to be in, and then he allowed shame to come into his life. And then to cover that shame, David had to try and fashion together some leaves, and so that created more destruction because he was out of his place of purpose until God entered in and said, where are you? And in David's confession, he began to enter into the place of healing. I believe the lie that David began to believe was that he was no longer needed, that he had fought enough battles, that he had been around for long enough and seen enough victories, and so he was just going to let everyone else go work on this one while he sat back for a while. And so he stayed home out of place when he should have been in his place of purpose. And I believe the lie that Adam and Eve believed was that God was withholding something good from them, that there was something more that God had for them, that even though they were in their place of purpose or even though this is the place of their fruitfulness, the place that God had called them to be, there must be something else that God is still withholding from us. And when that lie got in, not just to their ears but to their hearts, it pulled them out of the place that God had for them. And the reason the enemy wants you out of your place of purpose, the place that you have been designed for, the place that God specifically fashioned you for, is because the place that God has for you is where your purpose is. And when you are in your place of purpose, there is great power in your place of purpose. 
God wants to empower you from on high with his spirit, with his anointing, with a fresh wind of his fire. God wants to appoint you for this very time. And I am so grateful that you and I and believers everywhere are part of the legacy of apostles and disciples who were in their place. When Jesus said to them, this is the place that I need for you to be, they went and stood in the very place that God had for them. Because when Jesus came to right the sin and destruction that entered the world through Adam and Eve, he told his disciples to set this thing right. I need you to go to a certain place. And unlike Adam and Eve, this time they did not get out of their place. The beginning of Acts, we're going to walk through a few scriptures here. Acts 1 starts to lay it out. This is right after Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, and he is still walking around on earth, giving a few final instructions before his ascension. In Acts 1, 4 through 5, it says, And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but I will baptize you with the Holy Spirit not too many days from now. Right here in this time between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension, he gives them a clear directive. I need you to go to a place. When you go to the place of Jerusalem, I need you to wait in that place until you feel my power come upon you. And I love that he doesn't give them any description about what that's going to be like. He just says, you'll know. When my power comes upon you, you'll know that it's the moment. Just wait for it in the place that I have appointed for you because your purpose is going to be there in that place waiting for you. And so the disciples go. Acts 1, 12 through 14 lays it out. It says, then they returned to Jerusalem. They went to the place that Jesus told them to go to from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, about a Sabbath day journey. And when they entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying, Peter and James and John and everybody who came. And all of these were with them and were devoting themselves to prayer. Come on, are there some people who are devoting themselves to prayer right now? And together with the women and the Mary and the mother of Jesus and all of his brothers, they followed Jesus' instructions. And they went to that place. It says they followed through on the thing that they heard from him. Where is the place that Jesus has called you to be? Are you in hiding from the place that he called you to? Or are you standing in the place that he called you to be? Standing and waiting, saying, this is the place that you have designated for me. And my purpose will be found in this place. They waited in that place and they sought his face. They devoted themselves to prayer to waiting on God, to listening to God, to asking of him, what are you saying? I think there are some people who are starting their year with 21 days of sacrifice and of seeking, saying, God, we're in the place that you have designated for us to be, and we're waiting to hear from you. 
And then at the beginning of Acts 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And it divided tongues of fire. Come on, the Holy Spirit is coming into their lives. And it appeared to them, and it rested on each and every one of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. I believe that there is a fresh wind of God. Oh, the Holy Spirit is with us, but we are about to encounter Him in a fresh way. We are about to walk with Him in a new way, that there is a fresh wind of what God is doing for this season. There is a fresh word for what God is doing in this season. There is a fresh fire coming on the people of God. We need it more than ever. If this last week has shown us anything, it's that the people of God need to be in their place. The people of God need to stand in the places that God has called us to and speak to the powers of evil and speak to the powers of destruction and declare the word of the Lord and to utter it in every single tongue, to declare it in English and to declare it in Spanish and to declare it in Japanese and to declare it in Russian and to declare it in Ebonics and to declare it in Himalayan and to declare it in Chinese and to declare it everywhere that God will take us. The people of God need to stand up and say, I feel empowered by the Holy Spirit for this time and for this moment. And when the Holy Spirit came on them, they found the purpose that he had gathered them together for. He sent them immediately out to declare the good news of the gospel to declare Jesus to everyone that they encountered, everywhere that they went. And as we keep walking through Acts 2, it starts to tell us what the early church looked like as those people stood in their place, as they used the way that God fashioned them and the way that God formed them to walk out the purpose that he had for them. And by the time we get to the end of Acts 2, starting in verse 42, it says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship of breaking of bread and of prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceedings to all as any had need and day by day attending the temple together and breaking breads in their home they received their food with glad and generous hearts praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When the people of God are in their place, day by day, God added to their number. Because they were right there in the place that God had for them, they begin to see the fruitfulness of his purpose. Quickly, it outlines a few things that they began to experience. There's so much in this few lines, but today I just want to focus on, as they became empowered and standing in their place of purpose, an awe came upon them. I'm believing in this next season that an awe is coming over the people of God for the things of God. 
that we wouldn't be familiar with what it is to be a casual Christian or a cultural Christian. And we go to church a couple of times a month and we might volunteer even once a year at some special event, but that we would have an awe of what it means to be a child of God. That he has called us into his own. That he has gathered us from all of our different places, from all of our different backgrounds and brought us into his home and said, welcome home to each of us, that we would have an awe for the things of God and that signs and wonders would break out. Radical demonstrations of his power. He has given us to be stewards of his power on earth. And I believe signs and wonders are our inheritance when we are in our place. He gave them a spirit of unity, a spirit of unity which is a clarity of direction, a commonness of purpose. These are people who were living on mission after what God had given them to do. Doesn't mean they were all the same. That's clear when you read the text. It said some of them had enough to sell part of what they had and give it to those who didn't have enough which means that some of them didn't have enough and some of them had more than enough. They were not the same. They had a unity and a clarity of direction in what they were doing. And it led to a radical generosity. Generosity of people who say, God, I want to give something audacious. I want to give something radical. I want to bring something into the house on the 24th that says this is my declaration that I am going to be part of seeing this mission come to pass. It says they had favor. Who wants some favor as you walk into 2021? Walking into places of his favor of his hand resting on you, of his angels going before you, conversations being sorted out before you even get into the place of his favor resting on you. And then it says, day by day, he added to their number. Day by day. Once a week when they came together for a Sunday weekend service experience, he added to their number. Every couple of times a year, like at Christmas and Easter, he added to their number? No. Day by day. Every day of the week. 168 hours in a week. He was adding to their number because they were living on mission because they were in the place that God had called them to be, because they were in the place of purpose that God designed them for. Then he daily added to their number. My prayer is that we would see God daily adding to our number, daily adding, not so we can say we have a big crowd, daily adding so that we can say, let's pack out heaven with the people who encounter Jesus because of what we have declared in this place. Let's pack out heaven because of resilient believers who have made it to their well done, good and faithful because we were in our place, because we showed up, because we said, God, I have purpose. When you are standing in your place, your purpose gets revealed to you. And when you are in your place of purpose, you find your place of power. 
If you will stand in the place that he has called you to, he will reveal your purpose to you. And in your place of purpose is your place of power. Come on, too many of us are like Adam and Eve. We are hiding because of a lie the enemy told you that you're not good enough that you've accepted the deception, that you don't have what it takes, or that you don't have enough time. Maybe it's not about you. Maybe you think you feel sweet, but you are accepting the cultural lie that you don't have enough time to get involved in the things of God, that you don't have enough financial stability to give into the house, to become a regular tither. And so you keep putting fictitious benchmarks down the line. When I make X amount of money, then we'll get serious about tithing. Let me guarantee you, you will never make enough. Your budget is needing the hand of God's favor on it more than ever when you think you don't have enough. The time when my seeds meant the most were not the days when I said, God, I'm grateful because I can feel that I have so much. The times when my seeds have meant the most were the times when I said, God, you can see that we are down to single digits in this account, and there are days left in this week, but I have chosen ahead of time to be in the place that you called me to be, and the place you called me to be is faithful. And when I was in the place that he called me to be, his favor rested on my life, and what I had became enough. What I didn't know was coming got returned to me. I'm telling you, when we get in the place that he has called us to be, when we show up, when we run with this vision, the part we always leave off of the verse in Habakkuk is it says, and run so that others can hear it. We don't run with the vision because we love running and it's just so fun. And can you see me up here doing my run? We run with the vision because there are others on the other side of it. There are lost who are waiting to be found. There are broken who are waiting to be whole. There are the hurting. There are the weak who need to be strengthened. And God needs some people in their place ready to run and take them the vision that says, let me tell you about a man who told me everything I needed to know about myself. Let me tell you that there is healing for you. Come on, it's going to take every single one of us in our place. We are standing in the midst of a move of God. And I believe there are fresh miracles and signs and wonders. I believe that we are living in days where we are gonna hear radical, creative miracles of God and salvation stories that people are gonna tell us about how someone forwarded them a podcast and they were doing their weekly exercise and the Spirit of God just fell on them and they weeped and they returned to his home. I believe that couples are gonna be looking in the midst of a fight and find a stream that says to them, you can make it through this. There is hope on the other side of it. I believe that God is going to do it, but it takes all of us in our place. It takes all of us in our place. And I want to break it down so clear this morning. As we pray and fast, I want you to ask God, God, where is the place that you have for me? Because the mission needs more people to carry the load. We need more people who are willing to stand up and say, 
I can play something. I can sing something. I can edit something. I can take photos. I wanna go declare who he is in a prison. You know what, I've recovered from some addictions and I would love to go and run with that message to someone else who needs to hear it. We need more people who can bring of their tithes and their offerings and radically generous and say, it will never be said on my watch that we didn't accomplish the vision because the budget was stretched too tight. That there are dreams that we have. We need people who are gonna watch kids. There is so much that God is speaking to us and is showing to us that we are ready to start running after. And it happens when all of us get up under the weight of it and say, I'm ready to run, run, run and carry this vision to others. Because I believe that day by day, God is gonna add to our number. God, we thank you for this word right here and right now. God, I thank you for the way that you are moving hearts and minds. I thank you, God, that I can see people coming out of hiding. Mm. I just speak over you that if you've let the weight of this last season push you into a place of hiding, that God is saying, where are you? And he is calling you out of your places of hiding and into a place of purpose, into a place of power. Where there is weakness, I say that there is power for you. There is strength for you. Rise up and stand up. Be part of the move of God that is happening right here and right now. We thank you for it, God. And we just say whatever you're doing, God, we wanna be right in the middle of that move. Let us run after your vision. In Jesus' name, amen.